As you are by now aware, this week, after 50 years of legal standing, Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. And it's hard to put into words how monumental and contested this decision will be in our larger cultural debates, and not just in cultural debates out there. This is not an out there issue for many of us in this room. Um, so I just want to give a pastoral post-Roe world kind of discipleship moment here. Um, this ruling, as you, many of you know, it's effectively pushed abortion rights back to the state level. And, and the, issue, the issue of abortion, you guys, and, and a decision of this magnitude, I believe it requires a biblical, thoughtful, compassionate response so we can discern how to follow Jesus well in a world that is post-Roe. Um, so it's important to note, this is not just a legal ruling or an ethical decision. This is not just a theological position or a moral decision. This has profound personal implications that touch the lives of millions of people that we live next to and work with and worship next to week after week. Many of you who've been here since 2020, you know mine and Sandy's story. Uh, if you're new, uh, you, don't, you haven't, maybe haven't heard. Um, mine and Sandy's story from 2020 in the fall, we actually had to do the unthinkable. We, we, to, to sum up a story in very, very few words, which is sad to do, we had to elect to abort our daughter in order to save my wife's life legitimately. We told the story on our church podcast back in the fall of 2020. If you look for it, it's entitled, When Desolation Comes. Uh, it was the worst moment of our lives. Just as it is for many, many, many other women. Worst moment of life. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, so the implications of the court's decision are not just about the culture out there. This is about our church family trying to follow Jesus well in a broken world and respond to the many who are in pain, okay? So how do we do that? How do we respond? Just a few quick things, and then I'll invite some folks up to pray for them, and then I'll introduce uh, Aliyah, who I already introduced. But uh, how do we respond? Number one, we, we celebrate kingdom work. How do you respond in a post-Roe versus Wade moment as the people of God? We celebrate kingdom work. You guys, throughout church history, the kingdom people, the church, has always been at her best when we're caring about life, not just birth. The church has always been at her best when we're caring about life, not just birth. However, even though the church has always had a consistent vision for the sacredness of life, the church has at times failed to live up to her own vision and lived out hypocrisy. Uh, We've moralized when we should have empathized, right? We've, we've sermonized when we should have sacrificed. Um, in Matthew 23, Jesus has a very hardcore rebuke for Pharisees who, quote, tied up heavy burdens and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves weren't willing to lift a finger. Nothing made Jesus more mad than that. The religious people unwilling to put their lives behind their message. So this, I just want to say, this is not a time for like a judgmental victory lap, you know, for anyone. Um, this is not a time to just lift a finger. This is a time to celebrate specifically kingdom work and not just celebrate, but put our own faith into action, actually get involved. 
I like what Matt personally said this morning. Uh, this decision actually just pushes the whole church up to put their money where our mouth is and get on the front lines where people that are actually working for lives have been for decades. Um, so we celebrate those people. We celebrate. This is specific kingdom work. We celebrate those of you who have truly committed your life to pro-life causes. Many of you have sacrificially loved and served crisis pregnancy centers. You've adopted children. You, your house has been a foster loving place for kids who are vulnerable. You've advocated for the dignity of the unborn, um, one of the most vulnerable people groups in our society. And many have sacrificed and worked with broken-hearted women who receive the evil eye in religious spaces. Uh, but you've actually gone to them to end the injustice they're experiencing. And we honestly want to say thank you to you. Thank you. And that is a cause for celebration in this moment. And at the same time, what this means post-row, post-row, is our work has just begun. This means our work has just begun. Uh, I like the way Justin Gibney from the AND campaign, if you're unaware of the AND campaign, follow that podcast. It is so important these days. The AND campaign. He put it like this. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Guess what? Time to double down on protecting, supporting, and advocating for our sisters who have crisis pregnancies. And he says, pro-woman and pro-child. That's, he's the and campaign. He's a very uniting pro-woman and pro-child. And he has hashtag whole life project. Um, this, is, this is celebrating kingdom work. And, and so number one, we celebrate actually kingdom work. And number two, uh, we want to be prophetic, not partisan. So we have to guard our heart. You must guard your hearts against political ideology talking heads with hot air on both ends, journalists, and, and we have to reaffirm our commitment to the lordship of Jesus, who is the current reigning king of every government. John said he's king of kings, lord of lords in Revelation. We could say he's, he's president of presidents. This is the same. He's Caesar of Caesars. And, and seek first his kingdom. Do you live this way? So, you know, on this point... In 2015, when the Supreme Court ruled on Obergefell versus, uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, Obergefell versus Hodges, you know, same-sex marriage ruling in 2015, when same-sex marriage became federally, you know, statewide legal, uh, conservatives condemned the court and wept in the streets, corrupt institution, and then progressives did a victory lap, right? Uh, today, many progressives are weeping. And conservatives are singing the court's praises. This just goes to show that rulings come and go. Justices come and go. Even nations come and go, you guys. So we have to keep our eyes on things above and not over-identify with human systems or political parties for the sake of our convictions, okay? That's actually the kind of idolatrous hope that puts its faith in a, in a politician or a party, and it's done tremendous damage to our witness since 2016 and before. And, and the damage to the church's witness for the last six years plus will take decades to restore through kind, neighborly, loving neighbor, not partisan, but pastoral, prophetic presence. So what does this mean practically? It means... We don't think like Democrats. 
we don't think like Republicans. We think like Christians. Like, who has your allegiance? Is it, which king do you serve? Which king? Uh, in our partisan culture, King Democrat says, we care for the woman. King Republican says, we care for the baby. Jesus is like, both? <laughs> like, bo- come on, like, really? And, and King Democrat says, don't tell a woman what to do with her body, which is generally a great idea. Uh, I get that, but, but it's used rhetorically to make a democratic point. And King, King Jesus, but King Jesus says, there's another body involved here. There's another person. And King Republican comes along, and at times there can be a shaming of women who've had abortions. You're sitting silently in a church space, and you just, no way are you going to share your story after what you just heard from the pulpit. Um, But King Jesus, as you're going to hear from Aaliyah's sermon today, which is wild, months ago she planned on preaching today and on this topic about a woman, which is crazy. King Jesus says, we're not going to shame women who've had abortions. We're just not. Uh, Jesus is for you, uh, not just pro-life, but we're pro-grace here, which is bigger. Uh, so, so, so two, prophetic, not partisan. And finally, number three, how do, how do I actually navigate my friends um, who land in different places? Maybe they're angry, sad, hurting right now. Or maybe your friends are like boasting. You can't even catch up with them on the victory lap they're on and it's annoying or whatever. Um, I would say three things. Number one, listen and ask questions. It's a skill, and it's loving. Like, don't gloat, don't be rude. People on both sides have strong opinions on this, and you know what can be very loving and diffusing is, hey, tell me more. How do you, how do you mean? How'd you, come, how'd you come up? How'd you come to your view on that? What if your last word in the conversation was, tell me more? Imagine how that would go. And social media isn't usually the place to do this. I would say no shame in processing on social media. I don't want to shame anyone for that. Um, Most likely that processing isn't going to land well for your soul. But no shame in that. And no shame, no shame in fasting from social media for the rest of 2022. No shame. So um, remember, you're not representing a political party. We're representing Jesus, the president of presidents, Caesar of Caesar, prime minister of prime ministers, king of kings, lord of lords. So so lead and ask questions. Number two, how do I talk with friends? Lead with your equal value for woman and child. Like, am I really fronting both in my brain, in my soul, in my heart? Because it's true, you guys, we shamelessly value the unborn child as one of the most vulnerable people groups in society. Yet in our polarized culture, as soon as I say that, many assume I'm suddenly against a woman. Um, So it goes a long way to empathize with the panic that many women experience on the daily. The panic we experienced in fall of 2020. Like legit psychosomatic pain panic. And emphasize, empathize, sorry, empathize with that panic. And that isolation and shame and overwhelming distress, which causes many women to do what they would have never imagined. So, uh, and then finally, uh, don't be ashamed of your convictions. Right. We want to be kind, 
but also clear. I like one of my leading learnings, one of my main learnings from church planting in the last five years is clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Um, so kind and clear are synonyms quite often. We love King Jesus. You know, I used to be embarrassed when people asked me, what do I do? I'm at the barber on Adams. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. I used to be embarrassed. I'd be like, yeah, I, uh, I like, you know, lead groups of faith communities through cultural or whatever. But I'm like, I'm a pastor. Like, I don't even think some pastors are still like, oh, that ends the conversation right away. I'm like, not really. Not if I'm like so normal about it. Like, I'm a pastor. We love King Jesus who welcomes the children and defends the vulnerable widow. So our first allegiance is not to any earthly ruler, but to King Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, so that's that's kind of just a pastoral word for us moving forward in, in, a, in a, just a wild moment, uh, half a century, and now a different feeling, a different atmosphere. Um, obviously, it's up to states now. But so, so here's, here's what I want to say on the heels of that. There's one more exciting announcement. We just talked about... <laughs> King Jesus and loving the vulnerable, none of this matters. It's all talk until we have receipts. So uh, speaking of love in action, today is the, so this week, starting today, is our Royal Family Kids Camp. (laughs) So I'd love to, I'd love to invite Everyone who's volunteering, everyone who's serving or or tied to Royal Family Kids Camp, come forward. We're going to pray for you right now. These are volunteers. Yeah. These are volunteers for Royal Family Kids. These guys have not only work their butts off to train, but also paying their way to a camp where they're going to freely pour out their lives for some of the most vulnerable human beings in, in San Diego County, kids in foster care. So this is, you know, if, if we're, you know, like Justin Gibney, if we're hashtag whole life, we need receipts. These are the receipts. Um, and and we, we celebrate them. We're going to pray for them as they go all week long. And, and we're going to pray protection over their souls, thick skin, tender hearts. So they're ready for what comes their way. Over 30 kids, you guys have actually donated money so that over 30 kids from the foster care system of San Diego can be loved and served and given birthday presents every day so that they can be uh, loved and served by these people, including a whole other group of people that came up at the first service. So can, can we just pray for them? Holy Spirit, would you come upon these women and men who are in it for all of life? I pray that your Holy Spirit would cover them, prepare them, strengthen them for the emotions that they'll experience this week and the conversations and the one-on-ones and the names and faces and the core memories they're going to create, the corrective experiences by the power of the Spirit that they're going to catalyze. May incredible kingdom work happen this week. This is what we celebrate. 
So may you give them eyes to see the things that are unhidden. Give them power to do uh, acts of love. May they be present, so present that they don't miss the little gestures that actually reveal a lot. So give them a, a, a special, unique grace, along with Neighbors Church, Captivate, uh, Light Church, and Restore Church, Park Hill Church, all five churches together, sending women and men to be with the vulnerable. We bless them. We can't wait to hear stories. We celebrate what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for RFK Volunteers. Thanks, guys.